0: For those that are staying here, we're over in Revelations chapter 3, Revelations the third chapter. How many people saw the Facebook I put up, or the Facebook note I put up last night? Appreciate that, Ethel. (laughs) No, I saw, the. I know Nikolai did, I saw his uh, note up there. Uh, I asked you a question, I didn't get any response. So, um, didn't didn't think of any? Yeah. I had a hard time too, I was going back through there, I said, you know, if we're going to if we're going to learn about prophecy, we've got to know, we've got to get a good example of it. And so I was going on through, and I was combing through the New Testament, going from one to the other, because I know the Old Testament's pretty much out. Old Testament, that's all Revelation. So I was thinking about the New Testament, and then all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a minute, I know where to go. <laughs> and so I went there, and in the book of Revelation, there are two words of prophecy for the churches that have nothing negative. So I wanted to stay with them. Because uh, most of the times we're going to operate in the gift of prophecy, it's going to be on the positive side. It should be on the positive side. And so um, I looked at those, and well, the first one to Smyrna, that had a, a more revelation in it that I I wanted to deal with. So I went over to Philadelphia, and though there is a tiny bit, once I realized something about about the uh, one who's giving the prophecy, I understood this a whole lot better. So we're going to be over here. Because I love biblical examples. I like how they show us to do something right. And if we're going to walk in the simple gift of prophecy, we need to have a good example to follow. So here in Revelation chapter 3, we're going to be looking at the church of Philadelphia. We all know what the word Philadelphia means. Can't live around here without learning about that one. But this was a city that was built primarily to expand the influence into new regions. And this is why why it was there. It was not built to uh spread the gospel. It was built to spread the the Greek thought, the Greek culture, uh things along those lines. That's why they had built it. That's why it has a Greek name. It's up in the western part of Turkey, in case anyone hasn't looked that up in the map before, but it's going to be over in the western part of Turkey. And uh when I was looking at this, I I don't I may have known this. I didn't I don't remember, but Turkey is actually one of the few places that, that uh, uh, spans over two continents. It goes over Europe as well as Asia. And I looked at the map and said, boy, I don't know if that would have jumped out at me. But but uh, anyway, that's uh, kind of a important, like a crossroads in between the, the two areas. But I want to get into all the history of, of Philadelphia here right now. We want to take a look at what was done here. And what God had said, but it's important for us to know that this was originally designed as a city to spread a particular message, and God was going to capitalize on that. Now, the city there's not much to see from the city of Philadelphia there now, from what I'm told, and I have seen some of the pictures of this. But there's a um, there's the ruins of a seventh century church. There is an unexcavated theater, and there's a length of some city walls from the Byzantine era. That's about all that you'll see. On top of the old city of Philadelphia is the modern city, Alsatir. So I hope I could pr- I pronounced that uh, correctly. It uh, basically means the city of God, and that's how they uh, that's what they put on top there. So if you look that up, you can find where Philadelphia is. As we venture over here to revelations chapter 3 let's read verse 7 and to the angel of the church of philadelphia right these things says he who was holy who is he was true he was the key of david he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens now this is written to the angel of the church of philadelphia if you've been around here for a while you we've discussed this before the angel of the church of philadelphia is not an angelic being Because think about this. Why does God have to write a letter delivered through John to deliver a message to an angel? he just tell him. And he's in the presence. Hey, angel of Philadelphia, got us something for you. But he's not saying that. The word angel is actually the Greek word for messenger. This is written to the messenger of the church of Philadelphia. Now, who do you suppose the messenger of the church of Philadelphia is? It would be the pastor. So God is speaking to the pastor to give him a message that he in turn would give to the church. So when you understand this, don't understand this in, in some kind of a, a way where well, this is just a message to the angel. This is not a message to the angel. This is not giving angelic instructions. This is giving human instructions. Instructions to people. People in the church. People on the earth. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, you write, these things says he who is holy. He who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. He starts this off reminding them who he is who is sending this message. He says, first off, he who is holy. It is the the Greek word used for vessels that are separate for common use. So this same Greek word is used for vessels that you would dedicate to certain use. Just like in your house, how many of you have certain Pieces of china that you only use for good occasions. Anybody have that? Any other time we bring out the, what is it, the the corral? Is that what it's it's called? I think everybody has that in their house. I know we have some. It's just indestructible. There's really no reason not to buy it because it will outlast you (laughs) if you wanted to. But that's stuff that you have for the special occasions. You know, you bring it out for Thanksgiving. You bring it out for Christmas. You bring it out for big dinners when they have a lot of people over. And uh, now we, ha- in our house, we have an entire piece of furniture dedicated to this type of dish. We never, we never go in there. I see it all the time. I see there it is. Looks really nice, but we don't touch that stuff. That's just you know special for, for special occasions when you have a lot of people over and you want to put out the the really nice things. So we do that. And uh, I don't know that they get used more than once or twice a year. It gets used for Thanksgiving. I know that, but see, Christmas we go up to the Bacon's, and and so we don't have Christmas dinner at our house. We have Thanksgiving dinner at our house, and they have Christmas dinner at their house. And you know, we've divided things up and and separated. Christian doesn't have anything at his house because he's in Australia, so we don't we aren't going out there <laughs> for for dinner. That's a little far to go. But of course, we would go for a longer period of time, but just not for dinner. That is a long way to go out there. I'll tell you, that's uh. As a trip. But we have certain types of, of things and it's dedicated for that. You don't bring them out if somebody went in there and started bringing them out. You say, oh, no, no, put that away. Now, the stuff that we have happens to be my wife's grandparents. Uh, and so it has sentimental value to her. It has no sentimental value to me. It has sentimental value to her. I just think, you know, it looks nice. It's, it's, it's pretty and all that. And uh, there's absolutely no reason to replace it. Because we use it once or twice a year. (laughs) Why why do you gotta replace it? So we have that over there, and you probably have stuff like that too. It's just for special occasions. It is dedicated to those special occasions. You don't go in there, you don't bring it out any other time. And this is what this word holy is is talking about. Those things that are dedicated for uh are separated from the common use. We don't use these all the all the time. We don't take them out. And put some food on it, throw it in the microwave. In fact, I don't think those plates have ever seen the microwave. Now that corning, Correll whatever the stuff you, you can throw that in the microwave all you want to. Now I don't know if you have this at your house, but we have a whole, we have a stack about that tall of dishes, just common ones, that we have. About half of them can't go in the microwave. Now they won't break or nothing, but if you put them in the microwave, they get hot. I mean, burn your finger drop-the-plate type of hot. It's just, they're really hot. So we have those ones, they are dedicated to non-microwave use. And then we have other ones that are fine. You put them in the microwave, they come out, you can grab them with your hand, it's not going to hurt you. And so we have, we dedicate those to the microwave. And so a lot of times I'm going in there and I'm thinking, do I need microwave or do I need non-microwave? Because if I need non-microwave, I'm going to grab some of the the brown ones we have because they won't go in the microwave and I need to save the other ones. Because there's nothing worse than needing to put something in the microwave and you don't have a plate to put it on. Everything that you're going to put in there is going to get too hot. So, certain things are dedicated for certain types of, of service. And we keep that for, for those things. This is what he's saying. The first thing he says about him is he that is holy. He is, he is set apart. This God that is behind you is set apart. He is holy. That's the first thing he says. These things says he who is holy. So, the one who is saying this if he is holy, if he is that, he is speaking things that are holy. He who is true. Now the word here for true means real or genuine, as opposed to fraud, fraudulent. This is true. It is. He is a. He's a. There's nothing fraudulent about him. He doesn't portray one thing and actually be another. He is true. So he wants to remind them. He is holy. And he is true in the place where they are, they may have been tempted to believe that God is is putting on a front. He doesn't care for them as much. He's not as concerned. There's some persecution that's been going on with them. He uh, may not be as genuine as you think, but He's saying, no, understand this. He is holy and He is true. He is genuine. And He goes on. He was... Uh, These things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one's open. He has a key. Keys open things. You know, most of you, when you left your house, how many of you left your house and locked your door? We're taking note of those who didn't lock the door. Keith's back there right now. (laughs) will be back in just a little bit. <laughs> now you lock your door when you leave, and that your way to get back in is with the key. Unless, of course, you're one of those uh, people that has the the digital stuff. You see, they you can get a digital lock on your phone, on your on your home, and unlock it with your phone. I don't know if I trust that yet. With all the stuff being hacked, you know, and, and I'm just not so sure. I think the Chinese would come over and hack my door and open it up, and I don't know what they would do. Somebody would come over, and I, I'm just not so so sure of that. Plus, I've seen the movie where the person went around to hijack cars and did it all with their phone. Mm-hmm. I said, "No, nah, we're not doing that sort of stuff. I, I'm not, I'm not so sure about about that one. I still have an old-fashioned key, and there's no way that you can take your phone up to my house and unlock it. You got to have the, got to have the key. And of course, they had nothing. Like online locks, back in these days all they had was a key. So if you wanted to open something, then you had a key. And no rinky dink keys like we got today. We got them little tiny rinky dink keys, you know, they're kind of small. They didn't have them kind, they had the big kind. The kind that if you still find them, you kind of want to hang them on the wall somewhere to look really cool. That's the kind of key he's got. He's got a key. You can tell he's got a key. You can see it. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now this key here is mentioned as the key of David. We see this key is mentioned over in Isaiah 22. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open. Now if you want to look up his ministry and the things he did you can go back out there and do that. We're not looking at Eli came to here today. We're looking at the, the word of prophecy that was given. But there was a specific key and he's re- referencing that here in this word of prophecy to them. He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. When God opens a door, no one's going to shut it. When God shuts a door, it's not going to be open. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. He starts this off with, I know your works. One of the things that that bothers people about getting a word of prophecy to give to other people is that sometimes that word of prophecy stems into the areas that they know. Have, I don't know about you, but just, just ask yourself this question. Have you ever received a word of prophecy for a particular person? Something came up on you to share with somebody and you felt in your spirit that it came from God, but you feel disqualified because you know something. You ever had that? Well, I know this about them. They shared that with me, and you feel disqualified. Well, that's ridiculous. I've I've done it myself. I'm not faulting anybody for. I have done it myself. I have sometimes said, "Well, I I can't give that word of prophecy because I know this about them." And that wouldn't be that would I'd be trying to say something. But look at what God's saying right here: "I know your works," and He speaks a word of prophecy based on what He knows. It is not wrong to give a word of prophecy based on what you know. Well, amen. It blessed me to learn that. Because I'll tell you, I've disqualified myself in times past because I knew I know something. Just because you know, it doesn't mean that you can't give it. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength. I've kept my word and have not denied my name. He has set before them an open door because of the things they have done, because of the works they have accomplished. A lot of times we want doors to be opened out of the grace and goodness of God. God, would you open that door for me? God, would you do this? God, would you open this? Will you take care of this thing over here? And we want God just to open the door for us based on, you know, because he loves us. But here we see that this door is open. A lot of people come to this scripture to look at open doors. This door is open because of what they have done. I know your works. I know what you've done. And God's, God's uh, pleased with what they've done. He's not saying that I know your works and man, you guys are in trouble. He says, no, I know your works. I know, you, I know what you've been up to. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, if you ever read the story that Rick Renner shares about when he went over to the Soviet Union, and he talks about how the door opened for him there and how other doors were opened, there was a time, and he shares about this, I think in one of his books, He uh, there was a time when many people were leaving the Soviet Union because they saw the door shutting and they didn't want to be on the other side. When the door shut. And he, they would say, what are you going to do? And he would say, well, I'm not going anywhere. He said, God opened this door for us and no man is going to shut it. And he stayed. And of course, right now he's got the, uh, all kinds of stuff going on over there. And it's good to good to hear and good to see the things that are that are happening. But he had to have confidence. God opened this door for us and we, we needed to stay with it. But he opened this door, but their works, the things that they did, gave him the opportunity. And he's letting them know, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Now, read this, read this closely. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. Does this sound like this word of prophecy is exposing the open door or speaking about it like they already know it? I would choose the latter. See, I have, past tense, set before you an open door. He's not saying I am going to open a door for you. He says, I have set before you an open door. So they are probably looking at an opportunity seeing this door open. Maybe they're wondering, should we go through? Is this something that we should do? I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Maybe they're thinking, well, if we go in there, maybe somebody will shut it. You ever watch one of those movies where you know the the person all by themselves goes into the house all by themselves? They don't wait for anybody else. And how many of y'all know, as soon as they go into the house, don't go in. Don't go in the house. You don't want to go and stay out of the house. Wait for so and so to. No, we're not waiting for them to arrive. We got to go on in. And uh, once we go on in the house, and then we go down to the basement because all good things happen in the basement. <laughs> and we're going down the basement. And as they're they're going on down the basement, and they're they're going going down the steps. How many of you know what's going to happen? How many of you know? You know what's going to happen, right? The door is going to close. No doubt about it. The door is going to close. Or if you get one of those ones where we're in the basement and they find the secret door. And you know, the, it takes a little while to pry that thing open. Or they find the, the, the secret button that they've got to push to get it open. And they go inside. You know what's going to happen, don't you? As soon as they get inside that door, what's going to happen? It's going to close. And you always are thinking, put something in the door to keep it open. Don't you, don't you, I say it to the TV, put something in the door to keep it open. You know the door's gonna shut. Sure enough, the door shuts. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I know it's gonna happen. (laughs) Well here it is, they may be, they're in a real life situation, not watching the movie. And they may see this door open, and they may wonder, if we go through there, is that door gonna shut on us? Are we going to be caught in a place where we can't get out? See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for I for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now he's not talking about anything revealed here. He's talking about stuff that's before them. This is stuff that they know. He's letting them know. I've opened that door. When I open something, people don't shut it. When I close it, they don't open it. This is what he's telling them. So they can have confidence to go on out there. Because the purpose of prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. So they can feel some comfort, we, we can go through this door. I feel good about this, this is, this is helping me. For you have a little strength. Now that may sound like he's putting them down. You have a little strength. The word there for little is the word we get our word micro from. Microscope, you know, things small. And strength is dunamis. We all are pretty familiar with that one. You have a little strength. It sounds like he's putting them down. But he may not be putting them down. What he may be doing is just elaborate on the fact that their numbers are small. Because he, he says, you haven't denied my name. That would mean, and from some of the rest of the prophecy, it would seem that some did not deny his name and died. As a result, other letters to other churches included people that were martyrs. Even one of them even said some of you are going to die. So this was going on during the time of these letters. This kind of thing was going on. And some of their numbers may have diminished. And they may look like, you know, as far as this city is concerned, we're kind of small. But God says, you may look at your strength as being small. You may see yourself as only having a little strength by comparison to what you're up against here in this city. He's acknowledging that. I think it's more that because he doesn't say anything bad about them. I don't think he'd be putting down their strength. For you have a little strength and or you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. They have kept the word of God. They have kept what God sent them in the word, in the written word. Here is what I have said and they've kept it. Now, He jumps right into it and have not denied my name. It would seem that the situation that they're in, that there is pressure upon them to let go of what God has said to do something else and deny what God has said. And they said, no, we're not going to deny it. And apparently it was threatened enough that some of them would die. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name. Boy, wouldn't you like to hear that from God. Now the open door here is a result of their obedience. They obeyed the written word. I think I put this in your outline for you too. I know your works. Prophecy can be born of what you know. If you didn't get that before. Prophecy can be born of what you know. Many times God would use what you know as a launching pad. Well, I know this person is going through these particular things. And then God may raise up and and use a word, a word of encouragement, something from the Word of God for you to share with them. It was based on what you knew. Well, understand, God is sending this based on what He knows. In fact, all seven letters are based on what God knows. Now, He's got a key to open the door. How many of you have some doors you'd like to see open? Now we've heard it said before: don't ever be led by open and closed doors. And you never want to be. Just because the door is opened doesn't mean you ought to walk through it. Just because the door is closed doesn't mean it's closed for good. I was listening to uh, to one. I think it was Jerry Sevel. I think it was it was him, and he was talking about all the times that God led them to go to a particular property. And to put an offer on it, I think one time it was, a couple of times it was for their own personal house, sometimes it was for something for the ministry. And he said, how many times they went on in there and they, uh, uh they were told, well, there's already a, an agreement on it. It was either him or it was uh, Keith Moore, I forget which one it was, but there's already an agreement on it. And they finally understood that whenever they hear there's an agreement on it, that's just a sign that God says this is yours. <laughs> they just didn't get discouraged. Sometimes, we can feel well, I think God's leading me in this way. Well, there's already an agreement on that property. Well, there's already somebody in that job. Well, that's already been taken. That's uh, already been had. I remember Keith Moore, he was sharing this the story. They uh, they walked in and felt a real witness to buy a particular car that was in the showroom. And uh and it's it had sold <laughs> on it. So so they just said, Well if anything changes on that Give us a call. The next day they called them up. And they went over and purchased it. Just because the door is closed doesn't mean it's closed for you. <laughs> and just because the door is open doesn't mean you ought to go through. You've got to be careful about which doors you go through. Make sure you're just not being tempted to go into the wrong direction. Here's some other verses for you. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8 and 9. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Well, he saw that a door had opened. He sees this as a door opened by God. But he also sees that there are many adversaries out there. Just because God opens a door doesn't mean that everyone's going to welcome you in. Doesn't mean everybody wants you there. But if God wants you there, He'll make a way for you to be there. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12, Furthermore, when I came to Troash to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Well, there was an opportunity. I've heard people share about a door that was open. They weren't even praying about a door being open. They weren't even looking for an opportunity for the door to be open. All of a sudden, it was presented, and the door was open. And then you got to be able to you know, check in your spirit. Is the Spirit of God telling me go on in? And if He is, that door has been opened. This is what Paul's saying. He said, "When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord." Colossians four three and four. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That would mean that I can pray for other people to have a door open. Wouldn't it? Would Paul ask them to pray something that's not scriptural? Meanwhile, praying also for us. He's asking them to pray for him. Paul had shared earlier that he was praying for them. But he's saying, now you guys pray for us also that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery. Well, does God want the word spoken there? I would assume so. So it's not that you're trying to talk God into it, but He's the one with the key. Open a door. Find a way for us to get in there. Now it says that no man can shut it. The word there can is dunamai. It's talking about ability. No one will have the ability to shut it. They may want to, but they do not have the ability to shut it. Don't be scared. Don't be thrown back. If you are walking through a door and it seems like someone is going to shut it on you. Father God, I walked through this door because you led me to come this way. I thank you that no one has the ability to shut this door on me. Don't be afraid of people. People will try and get you to be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Now it says that you have kept my word. That is the Greek word tereo, to guard, to protect, to hold fast and to watch. They have kept his word. They have guarded it. They protected it. They held it fast. They were watching over it. This is what we need to do with the word of God. When we get the word of God, there are going to be people that are around that are going to try and compromise that word. They're trying to get us to relinquish that word. Try and get us to go in a direction that is just a little tainted. He says, you folks did not do it. And because they did not do it, because they did not relinquish, it gave the opportunity for a door to be open. They knew what that door was. It apparently was before them. So they could walk through it. They could walk through it with confidence that it was something they obviously wanted to do. They saw it as good. Just had a little bit of fear whether that door would be closed on them. And he also said that you have not denied. Let me go back on to, over to that. I know your work, see, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. There are some people who will go about denying his name. Some people who deny his name try to confess that I haven't denied his name. They haven't held on to his word. There's nothing that gets me more then people who want to stand up and say, I believe in God, I believe in His Word, quote His Word, and go against the very things we know are the foundational principles of the Word of God. To go against the very things that God holds dear, that God has said in His Word, this is important to me, and they're going against it. That's denying the Lord. They're trying to hide behind Him, but they're denying them. He said, but you haven't done that. You've had pressure, but you haven't, you haven't yielded. You haven't denied My name. This same phrase is used for Pergamum. And that's a place where, boy, they had a lot of people who died in Pergamum because of the uh, the uh, uh, persecution that was coming against them. Glory to God. Let's go on to verse 9. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you. He calls it the synagogue of Satan. Now, this is not some special synagogue that has been set up for the worship of Satan. That's not what this is. This is the regular synagogue. This is where regular Jewish people come in to worship. He is calling it a synagogue of Satan. Now, if we look into the life of Paul, and we saw how these Jews who got upset, so much so that they wouldn't even let Paul in the building. One, one particular place that we read in our... In our daily reading that we did, he he went next door, right next door to the synagogue, to somebody's house, and they met there. They probably getting bigger crowds than they were at the synagogue. Get the synagogue upset. These Jewish folks were so upset at Paul, they'd follow him around. Didn't say that the Gentile Gentiles did. It said the Jewish folks who didn't believe they would follow him around. So here he calls them, in this particular city, he says they are the synagogue of Satan. Now, if you've got people, religious people, that are giving you persecution, and the Lord comes along with the word of prophecy and calls them the synagogue of Satan, how many of you are feeling good? Man, I I didn't understand why I was getting such a hard time from them. Why are they coming against me this way? We're supposed to be both on the same side. And God calls them the synagogue of Satan. Well, if God's calling them the synagogue of Satan, boy, I don't need to try and get on their good side. Wow. (laughs) He's letting them know. Wouldn't that encourage you? Wouldn't that help you out? The synagogue of Satan, he called them. Who say they are Jews and are not. Well, can you be mistaken? Well, I thought I had Jewish parents. I thought I had Jewish heritage. But... uh, that's not what he's talking about. He said, just because you were born of the seed of Abraham does not make you Jews. Jesus went through that in his ministry. He said, don't you understand? God can raise up um, descendants from these rocks if he needs to. It's not a big deal. You guys think that just because you have a, heritage, a Jewish heritage that's going to set you apart? It's not. If you come against God, if you come against the things that he's doing, God will come against you. He said, Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you. Now, anybody have a problem with that? All right, here's a couple of things. If you don't have a problem yet, I'll help you get one. What does God make anyone do? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Now this is the word of prophecy that comes right from God, right through the Lord Jesus Christ, to to uh, John to give to the to the pastor there at Philadelphia. He says, "Read it again." Indeed, I will make them come and worship before you. All right, so I have a problem with the word "make." How many have a problem with the idea of someone coming and worshiping? I mean, angels when they when people fell down before an angel's feet and wanted to worship, what did the angel say? Get up. Don't worship me. Here's what's happening. These people who say they're on God's side but are not. He said they will eventually come to the knowledge that they've been fighting God. And they will be in such remorse and they will be in such fear and anguish over what they have done against God and against you. They will come before you. They will pretty much worship at your feet because of what they have done against you and against the kingdom of God. Now, they don't have to let them worship. They can do the same thing the angels did and say, come on, get up. You don't need to be worshiping me. And They probably would do the, the same kind of thing in there. But you see, when this knowledge comes to them, what is in them from their Jewish heritage will spring up and they'll say oh now I see what I've been doing now I see what I've done God's not going to force their hand and just bring them on over and then get down on your knees remember in the end times every knee will bow is God making them no it's the realization wow this is that is God I thought there was no God that is God Oh man. We're in trouble. Now there were many Jews doing the will of the devil. Christians have done the will of the devil too, not just Jewish people. Christians have done so. By Christians I mean, you know, people that were non-Jews believers in the day of uh, the New Testament. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. This is 2nd 2 Timothy 2:24. 2, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all able to teach patient in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will we must be careful we do not become quarrelsome because we can sure do that because there's many things that we get passionate about and we can become quarrelsome about don't do it we talked about this verse not too long ago not going to spend a whole lot of time on it but this is one of those one of those things we've got to do. There were people that were going around and just quarreling about the gospel. Quarreling about the law. Quarreling about what they believe you ought to do for God. He said in humility, correct. He didn't say just bypass it. He said in humility, correct. Those who are in opposition. If God would grant them repentance so that they may come to know the truth. Sometimes you just put it out a little feeler there. You're just uh, going out there, you try and make some correction. If they shut it down... Maybe it's just time to move on. Come back another time. They may not be ready for it. See, that's humility. Pride means I gotta keep on going after you. Don't do it. 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having good, having faith in a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have shipwrecked, of whom Hymenus and Alexander, Whom I deliver to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Some people will reject what a good conscience is. They will reject the direction from the Spirit. They'll reject it. And they will go in a direction that is not right. They've seared their conscience. They are not hearing the things from God that they ought to be hearing. Now just because people are in the body of Christ does not mean they all hear from God. I've heard some people share some things with God and next week, God changes his mind. I get amazed at that. God doesn't change his mind. If God shares something with you, he stays with it. This is what it's going to be. And you've got to have some confidence in that. You've got to grow in the confidence of what God is sharing with you. The last series we were doing, I was sharing you some things about what God was telling me to do to recover from uh, from an injury. That injury was sustained first off in 2017. And then secondly, the, it, uh, another one came up that was a little bit more severe, came in uh, 2018, around the beginning of the year. Now, I, that journey back started back in 2018. I didn't talk to you about it until last year. I told you I was injured. I told you I was down, but I didn't tell you what God had showed me about it until God told me, you don't teach people this way. And so I took that as a rebuke. <laughs> And set out to, to teach those things to you and let you know. But when I started sharing these things to you back in 2019, I wasn't healed. I was only working my way back. But I had the confidence to know that if God had told me these things along these ways, because the first phase, I never told anybody that what was going on. Second phase, I never told, said a word to anybody that what was going on. I didn't tell you, to you until I was in the third phase. I didn't know it was the third phase. I just know that this is where we're at on this thing. And um, and it's got by, I think I told you back in April, I got the release from the third phase and it started moving on up. and I've been released and been increasing uh, ever since then, and I am running miles per week that in every single group I am in, every single one, I am either at the top or near the top in mileage. I've got younger people who cannot keep up with the mileage I'm running. I will have, this, this month, I will post posted my first 300 mile month in a long time. 300 miles in one month. And I feel great. I feel great. Doctor said I wouldn't be able to run. I, I'm going to put on 300 miles this month. I could do more next month if I wanted to. But I told God, I said, God is just taking too much time. <laughs> I just don't have too much time. We're good at this level. We're just going to stay right on over here. I get comments from people that are on the running forums, and then they say, "What are you training for?" Because <laughs> they're convinced I'm training for something. I'm throwing double session days in, I'm throwing, um, I mean, some massively long workouts in, and they they write back and say, "What are you training? I'm not training. I just love to run." And I do. I just love to run. But you see, when I shared that with you, I had the confidence to know God was speaking this to me because when God speaks something to my spirit. I have confidence in that. I can hear that. I know when God is speaking something to me. I also know when I don't quite have it yet. It's just me coming on up. I don't. I don't quite. Uh, I don't quite know this one just yet. Now, just to tell you, just to share this this part with you. Way back when I was first getting going, I was uh, not even in the first phase of recovery, and I was just doing some cycling, just some stuff to keep everything moving and trying to to rehab some stuff. And I just felt like, on the inside of me, I just felt like I'd like to try to run it again. And I got myself trying to run one or two miles a day and I had to quit because the pain was too severe. Way too severe. I just, I couldn't couldn't do it. But see, that didn't come up in my spirit. That discouraged me from thinking, man, maybe you this won't ever happen again. But I didn't do it because I had the unction from the Holy Spirit. There are some things I get from down in my spirit and God has never showed up with an angel. God has never called me up into heaven. Had any kind of discussion with me. Uh, when I get something from God, it's just a little you know, in, inside my spirit. But I have great confidence when I know that He has spoken to me about things. That's when we come up to the, to the elections and stuff like that. I get amazed at how many people get undecided or I'm not sure about this. Because I, I, I know early on, God just speaks to me. He shows me the spirit behind things. I look at the spirit behind it. I don't get all caught up in the things that they say and you know whether they, they say it right or they say it wrong or they, they do different things. Um, I, just, I, I look for the spirit. What's the spirit behind it? And you can have the wrong spirit behind somebody regardless of whether they have a D, an R, an I in front of their day or after their day. It doesn't make any, any difference. You can have a wrong spirit. And that's what you have to pick up on. But you gotta, you gotta have that confidence in here, because the way God is going to speak to you most of the time is in that still small voice. You gotta have that confidence. You gotta know when God speaks to you that I heard from God, and you gotta stay with it. And um, you know that's part of the reason why we went through all this stuff with the with the uh, virus stuff that we went through, why we didn't change a whole lot, because I had it down in my spirit. Now I knew I was putting myself out there. A lot of people came up and reminded me. You're putting yourself out there. If anything bad happens, they're coming down on you. I knew it. But you see, it was down in my spirit. I have to go with what's in my spirit. I had the confidence. God told me this is no big deal. He didn't tell me there was nothing. He said it was no big deal. He gave me something specific on this and I followed after it. I didn't tell you all what it was. It wasn't something that I needed to share. But he gave me something specific. And I followed right along with it. If I told you what it was, you could see it. But I'm not going (laughs) to. But I stayed with it. And um, this is what you have to do. You see, if you know you hear from God, then when other people come and they try and nudge you into another direction, you don't go. That's where these people were. They knew God said this stuff to them. I know this is in God's Word. And there was pressure to move. People in their church were killed because they were holding on to the Word. And they didn't let it go. God saw that. And He says, because you have done this, on the basis of you having done this, I've got a key, and I'm going to open up a door for you. And the picture of this door is a picture of a door that has some bolts on it that you're not getting through this door if you don't have a key. God says, I got the key. And He opened this door for them so that they could walk through. Verse 10, Because you have kept my command to persevere. King James puts it to be patient. This, this word means endurance. Um, being constant. Enduring. Patience. Staying with it. Hebrews 12, verse 1, talks about this. Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that is set before. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, that was a patience. You want an example for that? That's in in Jesus in the ministry that he did. But he also speaks of it here. Because you have kept my command, because you have kept my word, to persevere, to be patient, to hold that word in patience, to stay with it. God, your word said this. You got to have that confidence. I didn't share with you all the ups and downs that I had in getting back to the level that uh, of what I was able to to do. I didn't share. I didn't come in here every day and say, "Oh, this is what went on here today." I didn't tell you about all the times I was out there running and my hips talking to me the whole time. I didn't tell you about all the times that I would, I would come back on in and I could feel it. I didn't tell you about the times that I went to the doctor and he went, he started pushing on things and he said, oh man, this is sore here. I didn't tell you about all that. I hung on to what God said and I persevered and I kept on going and I stayed with it. I think I may have told you this. My, my chiropractor doctor told me, he, he said, first of all, he took get the first shot of the, the hip. I had to go all the way down to the city to get it done. But my spirit, I, I heard, go do it. He told me, y- you'll benefit from a second one. Get a second shot. He said, because the information was still bad enough. He said, get a second shot. I didn't feel it in my spirit. I'd see him again a month later. Did you get the second shot? No. You should get the second shot. Next month I come back. Did you get the shot? No. You should. Get, he kept telling me, you should get the second shot. A third or fourth time, three, four months later, he's still telling me to get that second shot. Now, I didn't sit down there and tell him, well, the Spirit of God, don't, I didn't tell all that. I just said, no, I didn't get it. I wasn't going to do it because he said to do it. I was going to do it because the Spirit of God told me on the inside. go ahead and get it. He told me the first one and it helped. He didn't tell me to do the second one. I never did it, never needed it. You gotta listen. You gotta have that confidence in the voice of your spirit. He'll lead you into some things you may not like. That door, he may open a door you say I don't like that door. <laughs> <laughs> that door is scary. They were looking at this door. This door is open, but they're seeing some scary things about this door. This door, mm, I don't know about. it. He's saying don't don't you don't you fretting on. You going through. Don't you be afraid. You going through that door because no man is going to shut this door. I opened it for you. And if I opened it, no one else is going to shut it. All right, we can go. They felt comfortable to do it. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, I looked at this verse and I was wondering, well, is this revelation of knowledge? I also will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world. Is this something about the future? It is, isn't it? You know why it's not revelation knowledge? Because it's been taught already in the New Testament. Jesus had taught it to him. Didn't Jesus tell him, when you see the, uh, uh, the abomination, when he, when didn't he tell the people in Jerusalem, when you see this and this happen, flee get out? And he was talking about the one that would come in 70 AD. And then later on, he was talking about the one that would come later. But they told him this day was coming. Paul told him this day was coming. So what he's revealing here, it may be future, but it's already known. You may get something in your word of prophecy for someone that is future, but it's already known in the word of God. That's perfectly fine. That's not operating outside the simple gift of prophecy. Can you see that? I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now this part here about keeping you from the hour of trial, that might come in as part of, as far as revelation is concerned. The part of the, uh, the trial coming is taught in the Word of God, but He said, I will keep you from it. Now there are some parts in the word of God you could probably rely on for that. But this seems to be something specific. So this is about the only part inside this, this uh, prophecy that I could see that would deal with something outside the simple gift of prophecy. But all the rest of it stays uh, right, with, right there with it. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This word there for whole world is talking about the world that is known. The known world, the inhabited world. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. That word there, take your crown, is the Greek word lambano. Mm -hmm. Let no one take or receive that crown from you. We saw this happen. Esau lost what he had to Jacob. We saw that Reuben lost his place to Judah. We saw that Saul lost his place to David. Judas lost his place to Matthias in the New Testament. The 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 disciples. The Jews lost their place to the Gentiles because of what they had done. He says, "Don't lose, don't lose it. Don't let it go. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown." So just because you have a crown in store for you, apparently somebody can take it. But don't do it. Don't let that happen. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. He who overcomes. Not just, good, not just those who want to. Not just those who desire. Nothing of that. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, and the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him... My new name. Well, glory to God. But he who overcomes. This is who this is written to. He who overcomes. You want to be one who overcomes. There's going to be stuff that will come against you. There's going to be stuff that happens in this day. And people will try to deceive you to believe a wrong thing. To go in a wrong way. To get on a side that is different from the side of God. Don't do it. You need to overcome whatever it is that's trying to pull you to the wrong side. You need to do it. Overcome it. Well, I just can't. Well, I just... No, you can. You can do it. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of Heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Hmm. Doesn't sound like he's going to do that for everybody, does it? How many want to wear that? <laughs> I want to wear what is it, that name. I want to be able to be counted. If these folks in Philadelphia you can be counted as that, don't you think there's other people, other places that can have that as well? And he's telling them, "We're going to do this. We're going to write this name on on there." In Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. No one knew it except him. But that name it was going to be written on others. Now this promise is to him who overcomes. Again, it's not to him who tries or once two. You've got to overcome. You have got the ability inside of you to overcome. You've got to hang on to that. This is what this word of prophecy is speaking to him. You have overcome. You have stood against these things. I have seen it. I have seen those that come against you. I call them the synagogue of Satan. But you can overcome and those who overcome, this is what I'm going to do for you. Now see, you can get that from the Word of God too, because the Word of God will say what ha- what things come to those who overcome. When it talks about the crown here in this section of Revelation, it's using the Greek word "stephanos." That's where I got my name from. It means a earned crown, a crown that is given to the victor, to the winner. That is not one that is. It is not a crown that is bestowed. There's a ruling crown that is given that is bestowed upon one. But there is a Stephanos and a Stephanos crown is one that you would get if you won at a race. If you won at a wrestling match. If you won at the Olympics. If you won at some kind of an event. Or here in the gospel when you overcome this crown is given. So a word of prophecy can contain I gave you three things here. This is something that can contain. We already know That it can be a word of exhortation, encouragement, comfort. We already know about that. It can contain what I know. It can contain what I've learned. Don't sell short what you have learned. Much of what's in this prophecy was things that the church had already learned through the ministry of Paul. He had already taught them some of these things. They could have learned it. God is going to give you a word of prophecy that can be based on the things you already know about that person and it may be based upon the things that you've already learned. He may quicken you. Do you remember that that you saw? you remember that that, I, that the Spirit of God spoke to you? Shared with you about a about a passage? That's for them. I need you to deliver it to them. Sometimes we're just a holder of truth. Boy, I got that. Man, is that good. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But, <laughs> man, that was good. I really enjoyed that. Well, it's not, it's, I mean, it's for you to enjoy. But God says, I need you to have this because you can receive it. But then I'm going to need you to pass this off to somebody else. And you're going to find that opportunity. So a word of prophecy can be based on something that you know and contain something that you've learned. So it may be that you go out there and you, you uh, meet somebody and they may share with you something that's going on in their life. Now it's something that you know. And up on the inside of you may come a word from God, something that He taught you. That's something that you learned. And that word of prophecy may be simply sharing what you learned before for what they're facing now. Mm -hmm. And don't count that as not, that's not prophecy. I'm just talking to them. Mm. No, it's not. You see, God set this all up. He gave you that understanding. Maybe weeks, maybe months, days, years. It don't matter. But God gave it to you. And he said, if I put this inside of this vessel, they will contain it. They will keep a treasure. They will hold on to that. And when I need them to release that to somebody, I can send them along. And all of a sudden, God says, here's so-and-so. They need that word that I sowed inside this believer. And he may send that that person over, and they just may start, have you ever heard this from somebody? I don't know why I'm talking to you about this. Have you ever heard that from somebody? It may be that the Spirit of God is quickening them to talk to you about this thing, and then it's going to be quickening inside of you, and you're going to share with them what God has already taught you about that thing. And don't Don't uh, downplay this if what you learned was three years ago. God still brought them on over. And you share with them what God told you based on what you know because they shared it. That is the word of prophecy. Now how many of you would say that I've walked in that? Yeah. That's the word of prophecy, folks. You shared what you knew. And what you learned. Because that's what this word is. It's based on what God knew about them. And most of it is what they could have learned from the written word of God in the epistles and the gospels. And he's just quickening it to them. He's just telling it to them. Maybe they didn't put that revelation together yet. But he's helping them to get it. Here's the third one. So a word of prophecy can contain what I know, what I've learned, as well as what is given to me. It may be that God gives you, you may wake up in the morning and God may give you a word that comes up and you say, wow, I know that, I know that came from God. That was right to my spirit. I know that came from God, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that yet. But I know it came from God. Now see when that happens and then later on that day you run into somebody and it's an opportunity to share, you can tell well that was the word of prophecy because God gave it to me this morning and now I'm here I'm just I'm just sharing it. And we could we could see the word of prophecy in there. But I want to challenge you on this. If you'll take those first two things, a word of prophecy based on what you know, And based on what you learn. And if you will walk in that, and you will do that, and somebody comes along your path, somebody tells you something that that they have, that they are going through, and you are quickened about something that you have already learned from the Word of God, and you begin to share with them, get excited about this, because I get excited every time it happens. You begin to share with them what you have already learned. Out of your mouth, often you will begin to speak things that you have not learned yet, but are learning as you speak. It only happens when you meet the first two criteria. I cannot tell you how many times, and I do not ever, ever, ever stop and tell anybody it's happening. Never have I ever told anybody, never stopped anybody to mid sentence and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm getting something. (laughs) Hang on, I'm getting something. Never, never have done that. I just flow right into it. And you'd never, you would think all I spoke to you about was what I knew. But down on the inside, I'm doing somersaults. I didn't know that. Oh, but I can see it now. I I didn't see that before. I see it now. And the only way it came about is because I saw something I knew, somebody shared something with me, I share with them what I learned and as I am sharing it, more comes. But if I was not obedient to share what had been quickened on me, I wouldn't have learned that. Now I'll bring you on back to this. How many times have I told you I love it when you ask me a question? How many times have I said that? How many years does it go back? And this is why. Because I know it activates the spirit of prophecy. If I can work off of what I know, give you what I've learned, as I am speaking, so often, more stuff comes up. And I go away from there and says, Dear God, I, did, I, I never get never gets old. I walk right there, God, that was so cool. Man, I love it when you just start tying things together and opening my eyes. That's why I love questions. I love it when people do that. You should love them too. If people ask you questions, they're going to tap into what you know. This is why I wanted to show you this, this uh, prophecy. Because so much of this is based on what is known, what is learned, and then out of that is spoken some stuff that is revealed. But don't ever sell short what you know and what you've learned. Because just because you know that sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so is going through this does not mean that you cannot share anything about it. Because every single one of these letters is a word of prophecy. And every single one of these letters is based on what he knows. How many times does he say in these letters, I know your works. How many times does he use that phrase just in these seven letters? It is astounding. If God can give a word of prophecy based on what He knows, then you can too. You Just what you know does not disqualify you from giving a word of prophecy. But prophesy according to your faith. Start with what you know. Well, I know this to be true. But then you just look and see. Now, I'll tell you this. A couple of, When it first starts happening to you, it might scare you. Well I, don't, well, I better go check that out. Initially, this is, that's is probably the reaction you're going to have. I better go check that out. I'm not sure if that's right. And you go check it out and you find out, man, it was right. Eventually, you start learning how that voice comes up on the inside of you. And you have confidence in that voice. And when that voice comes up, you just begin to speak it out. And now you are learning how to operate in the gift of prophecy. And what does Paul say about who he wants to speak in this? Who do you want to see do this? Oh. <laughs> he wants all of us to. Don't discount what you know. Don't sew short what you've learned. Because you do not always start with something brand new revealed. Many times a word of prophecy comes based on what you already know. About a person and what you have learned from the Word of God. After that, there are going to be some stuff that's given to you. God's looking for some people who will be obedient on this and will follow after it and will do what He wants done. Every single day that we get out there, we should be looking for opportunities. Because I can do this based on what people reveal to me. What I know about people. How many of you, does that open up walking out in prophecy? That you can operate on what you know? That just opened up the door for you. Yeah, it should. And the stuff that you've already learned. That's why you got to be a student of the Word. That's why you got to be studying it, getting into it, going after it. Because God is looking around. Who do we have that we can send? Who has this revelation? Wow. Ah. So-and-so does. I can send it to them. And he sends them there. How many times, though, has God been disappointed? He's given this revelation to somebody in the church. He's got this person over here who needs to hear it. He sends them over to this person, and they disqualify themselves because of what they know, and it's just something I learned. And they walk away. That person who needed the ministry walked away and didn't know that God loved them. Didn't know that God had to set aside for them. And that person who had the knowledge to share walked away from an opportunity where more stuff could have been revealed. Don't walk away from those opportunities. They're there all the time. The word of prophecy is not just for church. Word of Prophecy is for Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and even on Sundays. Look for the Word of Prophecy in every encounter that you have. It'll sneak up on you. But look for those opportunities. Because God is looking for people that He can use. And the more people that He has that will minister and will walk in this way the more people that he can set free. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the word of prophecy that is alive in us. The spirit of prophecy that lives within us and he will use us if we let him. I thank you for such a great example as what you shared with the church at Philadelphia. You can... You spoke to them based on what you knew about them. Share with them what they could have learned from your word. And then even more was revealed that was unique to their situation. Thank you for such a phenomenal example to watch, to look at, to learn from. And I thank you for each person here who's going out into this world and will be moved by the spirit of prophecy to speak words of understanding, words that the hearers can hear and understand. You will use what is already on the inside of them. But many times you will expand into areas that we did not know. Give us revelation—not necessarily revelation of past and future events, but revelation of truth. Truth that we didn't understand before. Truth that we didn't see before. But when you speak that spirit of pro- through that spirit of prophecy, that truth and reveal it to us, it seems we understand in an instant. Well, you hadn't understood in a lifetime. Thank you for how your spirit does that. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, every single person here got uh, one of the praise reports. If you didn't fill that out and drop that off, then you have one to take home. If you don't have one to take home, go on back there and get one and hang that up. I want you to look for an opportunity for the spirit of prophecy to work through you. And don't say, well, I haven't been born again that long. I haven't. I don't know that much about the Word. God will use what you have. And I want you to look for that opportunity this week. And as you get an opportunity for that spirit of prophecy to work through you and you begin to speak into someone else's life, write that down. I love when you folks are out there looking for praise reports. And um, I usually get to look over the praise reports. One threw me today. I didn't see it. I didn't see Ethel's. And I thought, glory to God, somebody put a praise report about that because I had a good time. <laughs> I had a great time. I saw that I said, glory to God, yeah, that was a, man. And understand, folks, that was a blessing from God. You tell me around here who it is who's got 30 people all sitting together in a restaurant having a good time together. <laughs> is that a blessing from God? Amen. Man, I'll tell you, it was a blessing from God. And we'll go, we'll do it again down the road too, because it builds us up. It encourages us. It helps us out. But don't forget, put those things up in your refrigerator to get it filled out and bring it on in here next week. We want to hear about it. I want to hear how this spirit of prophecy is working in you. Don't waste your time prophesying over chairs and alarm clocks and silly stuff like that. Speak to things that matter and look for that opportunity. Don't ever sell it as too short. We encourage the children to to give us their praise reports. And how many of you all get excited when you hear that? No matter what it is, it's all men. They're looking for God. Look for God. Look for God in this. He's bringing people to you. Most times we send them away and we don't understand. The woman at the well. Do you know the disciples passed her? At some point, the disciples passed her because she was either walking from the city to the well while they were heading into the city. Probably that's where that would happen. May have happened another time. They passed her, and they had the same words they could have spoken to her, but they didn't. She got all the way to Jesus. Don't let people get through you. God, if you want somebody to to minister, I'm your gal. I'm your guy. I'm the one who will do it for you. And if you're always looking for the opportunities, you'll find them a whole lot easier. Have a blessed week.